Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. You hear it all the time. When a great natural disaster strikes, when unexplained destruction takes place, people and insurance companies label it as an act of God. Really? Is that the way God acts? Dr. Jennings is with us today via Skype to talk about how we should view those things that happen that are far beyond our control. Should we blame God? Or is there something else at play here? Dr. Jennings, help us out. You know, Charles, I love how you brought this up. This is very, very interesting, and you're exactly right. Many people worldwide view natural disasters as acts of God. They will say it. You will hear certain uh, religious leaders get on the news after a certain natural disaster and say, God was punishing for this sin or that sin. I'm going to suggest to you that if it's a natural disaster, it is never an act of God, only supernatural disasters are act of God. In other words, if it's an act of God, it's not natural, it's supernatural. So act of gods are supernatural, not natural. By definition, if you understand what I'm saying here. Now, I went back through Scripture, and I started looking at examples where people might pull out of Scripture what they would call natural disasters attributed to God, and and I found something very interesting. Let's let's pull out a few and look at them. The flood in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Well, the flood was not a natural disaster. It was a supernatural disaster, and it was a worldwide global event, and— It was announced by God for 120 years before it came, giving people an opportunity to be saved. This is true. The 10 plagues of Egypt, supernatural events Mm -hmm. affecting climate and water, and people can maybe consider natural disasters, but every one of those were announced by God's spokesman, Moses, prior to the event in order to These were plagues not against the people, but against the gods of Egypt in order to bring the people to repentance and back to God. Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent angels in and announced beforehand opportunity to leave. Again, announced by God. Earthquake that opens up and consumes Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Again, announced by Moses with specific conditions that would uh, apply if this is going to happen, and it did prior to it happening. The sun standing still for Joshua, I mean, not a disaster, but a phenomenon, a nature phenomenon. Again, Joshua calls for God and God acts. A fire coming down at Elijah, again, another supernatural phenomenon. But again, God's spokesperson pre-announces it. This is what's going to be. The true God will do this, and sure enough, he does. Earthquake at the time of Christ's crucifixion, supernatural event as graves open and 500 people are resurrected. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you look at the so-called natural disasters in Scripture, you'll find a couple of things. One, they're never natural. They're always supernatural when God's involved. Two, he announces them. Three, they're always for salvation, never for destruction. The flood, what's the purpose of the flood? After Adam sins, without the Messiah. After Adam sins, Genesis 3, Messiah is promised. Mm-hmm. The central thread of the entire Old Testament is the fulfillment of the coming Messiah. Messiah is coming. 
Satan is working to stop it. God is working to keep open. That's where our focus is. That's why we focus down on Abraham's family, and not all of Abraham's family, but Jacob's children, not all 12 of Jacob's kids, but we ultimately end up with just two tribes, particularly Judah, because that is the final branch of the human family through whom Messiah comes. We keep focusing down, down, down. We don't focus on the Chinese. We don't focus on the South Americans, not because God doesn't love them, but because Messiah is not coming through them. The focus of Old Testament is coming Messiah, and Satan is working to stop it. At the flood, there's only one righteous man left on the earth. Only one family works with God. The rest are hardened against him. The avenue for Messiah is almost closed, but God still sends a message. 120 years. Any of you that want to be saved, get on the ark. Anybody want to be saved, get on the ark. And God acts not to punish sin, but to keep open avenue for Messiah. So we see supernatural disasters are always God's action, working out the plan of salvation to save humankind and announced by his spokespersons. Everything we see in society today, these are not acts of God. These are either natural disasters happening because of sin in the world and nature's ecosystems operating out of God's original design and decaying, or intelligent beings purposely messing with the system, such as clear-cutting a large forest that lead to floods, or water management that leads to famine because it's managed poorly. Or you could even envision the the possibility of humans engineering a virus and releasing it into the world, causing a worldwide pandemic that the Bible calls pestilence. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is not an act of God. None of of these types of things are acts of God. We can bring this right down to the personal level, and I can tell a really short story here. I had a a friend whose young child slipped and fell while he was eating at at a restaurant, and hit his head, and after a a few hours had passed by, he started getting dizzy and wanting to fall asleep and sort of having strokes and whatnot, and they rushed him to the hospital. Long story short, he ended up having a hemispherectomy, and part of his brain removed because there was swelling and bleeding, and you're a doctor, you know about these things. But here's the thing. During the recovery, church members would come to this person and his wife and saying, well, no, we don't know why God did this. We don't know what his, what his motives were, but someday we'll understand. Just put this in God's hand because he's in charge. Is that what we're talking about here, a misrepresentation yeah. of God's power? Yeah, this is a great one, Charles. And what you said there at the end, you mix two things, a lie and a truth. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's often how it's done. The lie is that that this was God's will, or God did this, yeah. or and I have many people come to see me as patients, and they've had some similar tragedy happen to a child. Maybe a child died in a car wreck, yeah. and they will say, why did God take my mm-hmm. child, or why did God want my child to die? Mm-hmm. Or they have somebody in the family get diagnosed with cancer, or they've, they've been diagnosed. Why did God give me cancer? Okay, yeah. I can tell you God is never the author of pain, suffering, and death. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's not. He's not the author. Satan is the destroyer. Satan has the power of death, Hebrews 2.14. God is the source of life, the source of health. And so in this world of sin, yes, accidents happen, pain happens, disease happens, uh, death happens, but this is all because of things out of harmony, and it's working against God's plan to bring healing and restoration. Uh So the lie that you heard was, this was God's will, or God did this. Uh The truth that you heard that was said to the family was, seek God's will. Well, that's true. Let's seek God's will. Let's ask God's will be done. Let's invite God's will to be done. Of course, that's a good thing to do. But the fact that the child slipped, why did that happen? 
Well, because there was something wet on the floor right. that was slick, right. because the child got up and ran or moved and was off balance. Why did he get a hemorrhaging? Because his head hit a hard concrete surface. Yes. These are directly explainable by the physics involved in the circumstances. There was no angel there that stuck out a hand and tripped the boy's foot and uh, then and then used accelerated force to shove him down hard to make sure his skull cracked. I mean, this is this is silly that people bring in. It's quite cruel to families. Think about the contradictory message they're sending. God did this to your child. We don't know what it was, but you should seek God's will in your life. Oh, well, man, yes, take that yeah, through. Yeah. Why would you seek God's will in your life when he just crushed your kid's skull? Really, this is really. idiocy. Yeah. And this is why people give up a belief in God. Yeah. It's quite cruel and it's quite wrong and it's quite corrupt. Again, I gave the example of natural disasters. They can happen because of clear cutting. People go in, they clear cut a forest, then yeah. a flood happens, and yeah. downstream in that flood, somebody drowns. That wasn't God doing it, and it wasn't the devil doing it. Yeah. It was a consequence of humans being foolish or selfish or, or whatever, and it was the consequences of how reality works when you clear cut a forest. Yeah. And so sometimes bad things happen because we live in a world of sin, but it's not a direct attack of an intelligent fallen being called Satan or the devil, or is it an act of God in in some way either. So these types of things can happen because of our own choices to disrupt God's ecosystem or God's economy. That doesn't mean, though, that the devil can't sometimes attack. Uh, we have some stories in the Bible where he has done so, and he's done it through agents, human agents, inspiring them or tempting them to do evil, and those human agents then go out and harm or do evil through their own greed or selfishness or, or dominance over others. Or sometimes the devil himself has uh, brought I believe, famine at the time of Joseph. I think that famine was brought by devil to try to destroy the avenue for the Messiah. And that's why God made interventions for Joseph to go down to Egypt and become the place where the family could go and be safely protected by the Egyptian army for 400 years in slavery so that that population could grow to over 600,000 men in a place where the rest of the hoarding mobs couldn't get to them. God permitted this while Satan was trying to hurt them. God blessed them and grew them down there. Mm -hmm. And then they came out as a nation strong enough to sustain itself now down through the generations for Messiah to come. You can see how God allows these things to play out and how the devil's working to try and destroy if you have that right lens. You know, you have mentioned many times on this program the laws, the natural laws that are going on. Gravity is one. Gravity is what took my friend's son down to the floor and whacked his head. And gravity would be there whether this was a sinful world or not. The laws of physics exist. What sin brought is vulnerability to these laws of gravity, vulnerability and be, the ability to be hurt by these laws. Would you say that's what sin brought into this world? Yes, because we are no longer living in God's full, unveiled, life-giving glory. Yes, yes. And then that's because we have deviated from his design for our own mind's work, and we're filled with fear and self-centeredness, and we practice methods out of harmony, and thus we have all types of biological defects in our physiology that lead to illness and disease. And the enemy of God, Satan, has access to the planet and has corrupted nature with all types of yes. corruption in nature. Yeah. Yeah. So all these things are true. The limited mortal physiology we have is a consequence of sin in the world, but it's also because of God's grace. 
God has created on earth an artificial bubble of reality where earth stands separate from the rest of God's universe, Mm -hmm. where we are veiled from his full life-giving glory that the Bible describes in multiple places as a consuming fire, that the angels reflecting some of that whenever they appear, they look like suns burning. This is how the earth will be, Revelation tells us, when it's made new, that we won't need a sun or moon to light it because God's presence here will be. It's It'll be brighter than the sun or moon. We will live in that, but right now we don't live in that. And so this this mortal circumstance we live in is a artificial temporary life of grace that God has given us to find reconnection with him so that we can experience eternal life. And one day this mortal puts on immortality and the corruption puts on incorruption. Now that's an act of God, Dr. Jennings. That is an act of God. And as time unfolds, we're going to see more and more natural disasters. And the Bible tells us in Revelation, that's because as we approach the end of time, God's restraining hand over evil forces is removed, mm-hmm. and he loosens the four winds. And as he loosens the four winds and lets go, the evil one gets more and more freedom to act on this planet. And the environment is more and more corrupt, and it talks about the dying in the oceans. And what I think what's going to happen is the whole ecosystem is falling apart because it only operates as God sustains it. He's the source of life. This fantasy that humanistic evolutionary theology teaches is that the laws of nature are self-sustaining and that they maintain themselves in their own energy by their own principles that they can't ever articulate where they originated from. But this is not true. All the laws of nature uh, originating God are sustained by his presence. And as his presence withdraws from the earth, then the the various laws of nature can become unstable, and you find the ecosystem collapsing even more. And so I think we're going to find more and more natural disasters occurring and more rapidity and severity up until the ultimate coming of Christ. What a time it is for us to get close to God, to understand these things and to understand what an act of God is and what an act of God isn't. And Dr. Jennings has outlined that for us today. We have a website, listenercomeandreason.com. You can look at Dr. Jennings' books, The God-Shaped Heart, The God-Shaped Brain, The Aging Brain. And the granddaddy of them all, the book that got me interested in what this man has to say, Could It Be This Simple? Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.